Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Uh, Hi, Fred. Nice to be with you again. It's a nice day here, at least for now. This week, NVIDIA released its first self-driving safety report, joining a group of companies responding to voluntary guidelines from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA. And we are happy that the Senior Director of Automotive at NVIDIA, Danny Shapiro is with us today. Thanks for being here, Danny. Hey, it's great to be here. Great having you, Danny. Well, NVIDIA doesn't make self-driving vehicles, but you are making technology, key technology, that makes many of those vehicles possible. Uh, Maybe you can start out with a little bit of an overview for us for people who aren't up to speed on what NVIDIA has been doing. Certainly. We've been working a a long, long time in accelerated computing, um, starting out with graphics, moving into artificial intelligence a decade ago. And essentially now we've created the AI brain for the self-driving car. All the sensors that are on these vehicles, the radar, the LIDAR, the cameras, are feeding information into our NVIDIA Drive system. And we're using deep neural networks and a number of different algorithms to understand the environments, recognize everything that's happening around us and be able to plan a path forward. Can you give us an idea about the growth of this team that uh, NVIDIA has put together? Yeah, it's, it's been a really rapid growth for us over the last four or five years since we started um, this initiative for self-driving cars. And uh, we're on our um, current generation of the NVIDIA Drive AGX that has basically built on about 28,000 engineer years of development for the hardware and software. So there's the platform that goes in the vehicle and then a lot of different layers of software from a drive OS to a lot of different modules and libraries and tools for understanding what's happening around the car, a map localization and path planning all happen in real time on the vehicle and require a massive amount of software. We also have developed essentially an end-to-end system that starts in the data center. So first, the neural networks that are understanding the environment need to be trained on camera data, radar data, or LIDAR data from actual drives. And so there's a massive amount of processing that takes place to train the neural networks. We've also released a product called Drive Constellation, which is a simulation tool that lets us test and validate everything in the data center before we put it on the road. And then there's the drive AGX, the hardware that goes in the car to do the real-time processing and decision-making. It's a very complex system. Well, getting into this uh, safety report, to paraphrase from it, uh, NVIDIA is opening up its development processes. It is showing how it harnesses the unprecedented computing power of GPUs to create functionally safe self-driving systems. Tell us more about what's in here. You know, it, it's, again, so much engineering that goes in. We wanted to make sure that we were being really transparent and, again, responding to NHTSA's guidelines, um, you know, helping the world understand what we're doing to make these vehicles safe. Safety is our primary concern. And so everything we do from 
the chip design level to the software to the integration with the boards um, adheres to all best practices, um, adheres to standards ISO 26262, focusing on developing everything we need to do to create an ASIL-D, the highest level of safety um, in the vehicle. And so we went through and talked about really the need for um, compute as a way to solve these challenges and increase the safety of these vehicles. The more sensors you can have on a car, the more diverse and redundant algorithms, diverse and redundant processors for those algorithms deliver a much safer experience in the vehicle. Alan? Well, yes. I mean, it's it's really impressive. And in a sense, um, if you multiply all those man years or person years into uh, probably uh, or what uh, NVIDIA has had to pay those folks, uh, one sees that this is an enormous uh, financial investment uh, that NVIDIA has made in this technology. And in some sense, it's a, it's not that they've been inefficient in doing that. It's They've been enormously efficient, and in fact, uh, there's a lot that goes into making these things safe, and um, and in fact, it requires that kind of investment. I think one of the one of the really interesting pieces to me of what Nvidia has done is is the creation of the simulation environment on which uh, to do the testing. And um, and in some sense, uh, making that available uh, for people to use and to uh, uh, to do the validation. In a sense, one would like to do uh, certainly as much of this uh, testing uh, of the safety of the um, of these uh, entities uh, uh, basically in the lab uh, under simulation. One has the opportunity there to to do um, enormous numbers of scenarios and variations and and neighborhood sensitivity analyses, et cetera, et cetera, and um, to really see and 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 and, and validate the the robustness of of the um, of the uh, algorithms and the uh, approaches. And then be able to then take that, and uh, once one is um, comfortable with that, uh, uh, go out and uh, see what Mother Nature um, has to offer, and and uh, really uh, uh, be able to uh, you know finalize the designs there. And you're you're absolutely right. I think we're very excited about the Drive Constellation system for simulating. Um, our customers are clamoring to get a hold of it. We haven't released it just yet. We're yes, and, and I, we would love to get one here at Princeton <laughs> too because we want to play with it and, and so on. Absolutely, and I hope we're you know somewhere on your list. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Tremendous, yeah. But but I think what what we're doing is we're we're still working on it in house. We're we're using it every day. Uh, we want to you know get it ready um, for release. But I think what we're finding is it is such a valuable tool and. You know, in this development process, and you guys are well aware, right, you're, you're iterating on the software, and so you need to load the software in the car, you need to do some initial tests. We do closed course tests before we take the car on the road. Maybe we want to test, well, what happens at this particular interchange? So you have to drive an hour to get there, test it, and then come back. And it's, it's time-consuming. And instead, in simulation now, we have the, the roads, um, the maps we can import, um, we have the the environments. We can control the time of day in the simulator. We can control the weather, and we can very quickly test various pieces of software and do they work or not, and iterate quickly. But to your point as well, it is so much safer. We can 
create potentially dangerous scenarios in the simulator without ever putting anyone in harm's way and continue to just iterate and iterate and do um, of just a vast number of permutations of these tests um, very rapidly. And uh, really, uh, I couldn't think of, of a better group to be, uh, to approach this than NVIDIA because, in in a sense, it, it takes um, your heritage, which uh, which is was in gaming and creating um, virtual reality environments and um, and realistic ones and maybe too realistic ones in some cases. And and uh, all I, I imagine all the tools that you develop to be able to to create great games and certainly the the uh, the hardware side of it to be able to to uh, to uh, recreate or create uh, virtual realities um, and and do those uh, effectively efficiently and and in close reality is sort of the fundamental pieces that one needs uh, uh, to begin to build simulations simulators uh, that would um, that would really um, uh, test and and uh, and and show the, the, the and, and, and allow you to to uh, uh, do the final improvements to, to really make sure that these things work are safe and um, and then uh, take them out there and uh, and uh, actually use them and provide mobility to the to the world and and deliver all the benefits of that mobility to uh, to the world very true yeah this drive constellation merges photorealistic graphics you know, and ai um, essentially there's two servers one is loaded with gpus that's generating all these virtual cameras radars lidars um, it's mirroring what a real car on the road would see and so the output of that first server feeds into the second that contains the drive AGX or Pegasus configuration, the one for robo-taxis. And as such, then the Pegasus thinks it's on the road. It thinks it's in the trunk of the car. It's just getting data and it's running all the same software that would be in an actual vehicle. Uh, it's analyzing it. It's deciding, does it accelerate, brake, turn left or right? And instead of actuating a vehicle, it sends those commands back to the simulator and does that 30 times a second. So we have a true hardware in the loop simulator that allows us to test and validate the system. So we recently um, just completed a 50 mile loop all around Silicon Valley driving on four different highways. If you're familiar with the, the area 280 is this winding highway through the mountains that connects to California uh, Route 92, which cuts over to the Bay. We came down US 101 through Silicon Valley, back uh, California Route 85, kind of into Cupertino and up 280 again. And so we did this all with zero disengagements, doing um, lane changes, merges in traffic on the open road. And the, the beauty was, you know, it's running our full software stack. So that's great. These are things that we're developing to go into production with our customers but we were able to run the simulator of this first. So again, a great tool to be able to have actual roads that we can simulate different times of day, like I said, different weather, and then use that as a proxy before we put it actually on the road. But you have been on the road with it. You've, you've got some video too. Yeah, we'll, we'll send you the links. You guys can uh, include it. It's pretty cool stuff. And then yes, the other thing we'll, that- We'll put it on smart driving cars so everybody can link to it. You've the, uh, the other thing we were running, not just our drive AV software, which is the autonomous vehicle kind of sensing and path planning and decision making, 
but our software Drive IX is the intelligent experience. And this is the toolkit for our customers to use for in-cabin monitoring. So developing uh, driver monitoring systems, it can do gaze tracking, head pose, just gesture recognition, but also voice processing. So natural language, understanding, text-to-speech. So we're bringing some of this cloud-based voice processing into the vehicle um, and really offering a hybrid situation. So if you want to control aspects of the car, you can do that without having to go up to the cloud. We're using AI in the vehicle to analyze the text. And then if you want to do a search or query on traffic or weather, or things like that, then obviously it's going to go to the cloud to, to look up the appropriate data. Yeah, but some of that is also valuable in a autonomous taxi sort of operation in which you, you would want to be uh, carrying on some conversations with your customers, your passengers, uh, and or the, the pedestrians or the people around, uh, around the environment that you're operating in. And certainly uh, the whole gesture recognition and understanding and then also in terms of then uh, putting information out there uh, to uh, to pedestrians and bicyclists and so on, uh, maybe saying, "Oh, okay, you have the right of way," uh, or or whatever, uh, so that in fact these uh, these entities are welcomed uh, entities uh, in the uh, in the social fabric of the neighborhood. You're absolutely right. I think we're going to see more and more AI applications running in the vehicle to communicate, like you said, with people inside the vehicle as well as others outside the vehicle, interpret the gesture from a construction worker or a police officer who's trying to redirect traffic. Uh, so the ability to merge sensors in and out of the car um, through our Drive IX, the intelligent experience software, will en enable, I think, just a better user experience overall and build the trust of everyone involved. <laughs> Absolutely. Or maybe just flick the lights and say, okay, you go as, as we do normally ourselves at, at times when, uh, when there are two of us at an intersection or, or to uh, find other ways to, to make these uh, naturally uh, uh, welcomed entities um, in, in our environment rather than being some intruder that somehow uh, uh, we want to repel. Well, I kind of like the idea of having robotic arms outside the windows to wave to people and, and may, well, maybe, 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 we'll maybe a New York emulated voice. You know, we'll, we'll have an arm, you know, <laughs> it's, it's extended and turn left and it's up when we turn right. Well, why not? I don't know. I, sure. Although, you know, the, the, the blinking lights uh, have been very effective communicators, uh, you know, for, um, I guess, I don't know, at least maybe 100 years. I don't know. Whatever. Danny, maybe you can address where you, where, where and how the decision is made to take this uh, out of the simulator and onto the road. At, at what point is that, is that the most valuable thing to do? Yeah, so again, our tests, you know, in California, New Jersey, elsewhere, we always have a safety driver. And in fact, this is part of our, our safety report. We talk about, um, you know, how we've applied almost like an FAA style um, checklist. We have pre-drive checklists. We have during-drive checklists. We have post-drive checklists. There's always a safety driver. There's always a co-pilot who's watching the road and the safety driver. Um, and so we'll go through the simulator. We're in, we'll ensure that um, there's no known issues that we see in the simulator before we'll take it out onto the road. Your Xavier Autonomous Drive Board is scheduled to go into some Volvo vehicles uh, starting in 2020. Uh, tell us about that and, and some of your other partnerships, maybe. 
Yeah, so we just um, announced that um, Volvo is using the Drive AGX Xavier for their uh, driver assistance system for their next generation of vehicles. So this is something that will go in every Volvo produced. Um, they'll be starting in the early 2020s. And uh, I think for us, this is a, a great design win um, that complements the kinds of things we've been doing at the other end. We earlier released that uh, Daimler and, and Bosch are developing robo-taxis on NVIDIA Drive. But to me, this one is... This is mainstream now. These are consumer cars using NVIDIA Drive. And I think what it says is that the, the industry is recognizing, even at those lower levels of autonomy, you need much more computational horsepower that's, than that it's in cars today. And if you see some of the recent consumer reports or the IIHS studies, uh, things like lane keeping assist, um, emergency braking, other kind of basic core ADAS functions, um, a lot of them that are in production today are not passing the test. They're not getting very good reviews. And this really I am so happy you're saying this, Danny. Go on. <laughs> Keep going. Uh. No, what it speaks to is you need more compute to process the data and make these decisions. Uh, Absolutely. A simple, yeah, a simple smart camera cannot handle it. And you can't scale up from a smart camera to a self-driving system. And so Volvo has recognized this, and Volvo's put a stake in the ground and said, we're putting a system that's capable of 30 trillion operations per second. It's a massive amount of computing. They're putting surround cameras. They're putting interior cameras, all this for you know, a level two system. Now, really, it's going to be a level two plus. You know, we're, we're thinking this is a truly a premium um, ADAS system, but it's, it's really exciting breakthrough in, in the marketplace, I think. But Danny, I think it should be a level one system. I mean, uh, in a sense, uh, these systems should essentially be in all cars watching over what we're all doing. And if really one is interested in safety, one doesn't have to take one hand, one's hands off the wheels. One doesn't have to take one's pet feet off the pedals, but one needs all this, uh, this power and this, this processing so that in case we misbehave or we make a mistake or something, it's there and it takes over and it saves us and so yeah, in a right. sense uh, the, uh, the 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 real thing is is not to take it up to uh, you know i don't like the levels but you know level five you know the, the, sure maybe but the real place to take it is down to level zero down to level <laughs> one so that every car coming out of out of the showroom in fact won't crash all right. I mean, you know, there's there's all this talk about about the uh, uh, Waymo's driving erratically in in Chandler or Cruz uh, driving erratically in in California, and that's the cause of cars uh, rear-ending them. No, the cause of cars rear-ending them is because they don't have enough compute power in those cars that have the automated emergency braking systems work. It's embarrassing when you have a Toyota rear-ending a GM cruise vehicle at five miles an hour. Come on, right. why did that Toyota uh, rear-end it? Supposedly, these Toyotas have this system or something, and and. Uh, so anyway, I, I encourage you to make sure that, that uh, all the manufacturers have it in the level zero vehicles. And if there are subsidies for electric vehicles, I mean, why couldn't you have subsidies for for safety? You don't need subsidies, uh, Fred. All you need is to bring the insurance industry into this thing because guess what? Your expected liability instead of being, you know, 1500 bucks per year is going to go to 
500 or 400 bucks per year. And so there's enough money and savings and insurance to pay for these things and let insurance be more profitable. And why isn't insurance, uh, you know, coming up and saying, oh, my goodness, we'll help pay for these things. Well, you know, I guess uh, there's regulation and insurance. uh, My words exactly. (laughs) We're really excited about those. Because these systems, you're right, they will make it safer. It's going to reduce vastly the number of accidents and, and serve as this guardian angel, as you mentioned. Right. Absolutely. And that's that's where the safety benefit comes in. The safety benefit doesn't come in because we took our feet off the, off the pedals or hands off the wheel or even decided to not be in there. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, when we when we do that, and of course, these systems absolutely have to work and they, and they can work. But but uh, the the automated emergency braking problem is just requires more compute power than what uh, what the industry has been willing to put into it up to this point, and 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 it shouldn't just work you know up to IIHS uh, I think tested at a maximum of of uh, thirty one miles an hour. I, I I was looking at the European things this morning at some of their tests. I mean it, it's. It's 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 an embarrassment to the industry. That, the other that, thing that we've those done systems we'll, don't work. We'll, we'll send you some of the, the links too for the drive constellation. What we've put in some of the just even the basic uh, AED tests in the simulator. So out at some of the the abandoned uh, airports where they they do some of these these tests where you have the vehicle parked or the balloon car parked and you drive up to it at high speed. Uh, we all have all that running in the simulator as well. So we're replicating actual tests that others are doing to ensure that that our system works and then we can also create very complex environments out uh, in the real world in the simulator as well fantastic and you're saying that the automatic emergency braking systems uh, that you're working on really can do the job absolutely this is again taking the fusion of a variety of different sensor types and then processing it with an inboard supercomputer um, to then actuate uh, the, the vehicle controls. That's exciting news. In some other developments, uh, there was this. There's a quorum for assembly transportation. Uh, uh, and so let's start the this hearing. I'd like to call up Professor Elaine Kornhauser from Princeton University. That's the sound of the opening of a joint legislative hearing in New Jersey this week on potential autonomous vehicle legislation. And the leadoff industry expert testifying was you, Alan. So give give us the overview of where things stand now in our home state. Well, I mean, it was it was indeed a pleasure that they invited me and to come down and that they actually had a hearing. I think we tried this like four years ago, but unfortunately, the the administration that we had in New Jersey um, decided not to do anything. And everything had been uh, sort of uh, in mothballs, but it looks like the, the legislature is uh, is really interested. I was at a conference this morning up in North Jersey in which there's, you know, serious discussion uh, about this. And so I think New Jersey might be uh, waking up. We may have uh, awakened a, a giant here. Um, and, um, and of course, I guess, as uh, sort of the readers of Smart Driving Cars realize, uh, um, um, not only am I interested in, in seeing, as, as we've been discussing, some of this technology uh, go into every vehicle to make every vehicle safe in, in, uh, 
call them level ones or what I call safe driving cars, but also to to look at the at the driverless piece uh, to to get to a point where uh, we we're satisfied that this is really good and it really works, and we can take the attendant out of the vehicles and provide uh, really mobility on demand. And uh, and the thrust that uh, that I hope we end up taking in New Jersey is is to really focus the initial uh, delivery of of that mobility uh, to those that need it the most, uh, and that's uh, not uh, those of us that already have ten different ways of getting from A to B, and now you're going to give us the eleventh, and we're not even so sure that that we're going to take it, but instead to the folks who who who, I mean, or just don't have an option, any options to get from A to B. And that's what we've, uh, we around here have termed a mobility disadvantage. The, the, and, and it's not just the physically disadvantaged, uh, of which, uh, of course, uh, one wants to uh, provide mobility to them, but it's really to the economically disadvantaged. And and here we are in New Jersey. We 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 claim to have the best statewide mass transportation system in New Jersey Transit. Yet, um, unless you're really going to New York or Newark, uh, really, uh, it it is it is less than uh, than uh, than optimum. And in, in essentially most of the state, there is none. Uh, so um, if you can't afford an automobile, uh, my goodness, you, uh, you are really mobility disadvantaged. And so uh, we think that the, the best place to, to start this and do the, the test, where, which we know will have to be in the beginning, with a with a handful or a hundred vehicles or maybe just a thousand vehicles, uh, will be in a geofenced area, uh, operating on a on a certified set of roads that have gone through Danny's simulator and in fact you know driven and everybody's uh, 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 agrees that that it's safe and provide mobility uh, to those uh, and to the mobility disadvantaged. Uh, that that would need to travel within those those areas, uh, and and do that on a priority basis. And then, of course, there's going to be excess capacity because these things basically can provide mobility 24/7. And um, and so, and during the excess capacity, go out and serve anybody else who would like to to travel within that geofenced area and begin there and 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 let that let us prove themselves let let the the community see that in fact these are are actually uh positive contributions to the quality of life and the quality of their neighborhoods and then expand from there and let success breed success and so uh, that was basically the thrust of my testimony to the to the legislature on Monday. And we're hoping it uh, it moves along pretty quickly. We should point out too, uh, Danny. Maybe you want to mention that Nvidia has had a presence in New Jersey working on this technology. Yeah, we we have a research lab, but it continues to grow, staff up. Um, there's a small fleet of our cars that we do for testing, um, and in fact, one of them is, is up in Washington D.C. right now. We're we're running our GPC series, our GPU technology conference, um, travels the globe. We were in Munich two weeks ago, Tel Aviv last week, and now Washington, D.C. 
but uh, yeah, our, our BB-8 test car that you'll see in the videos is on display in Washington. That's terrific. And and one of my best students, uh, Chen Yi Chen, Dr. Chen Yi Chen, um, is helping me make, make all that happen at NVIDIA. Terrific. Everything's related here. Now, Everything's related. <laughs> uh, it's a small world. Along the lines of what you were just talking about, Alan, uh, Ford is going to start testing self-driving cars in Washington, D.C., and it will do it in all neighborhoods, not just the touristy or wealthier areas. That's an important emphasis. Yeah, I think it is an important emphasis because I think it begins to uh, to uh, at least uh, the realization uh, that there are neighborhoods as where we in New Jersey or where I'd like to see New Jersey start is is in the neighborhoods that uh, where the that mobility could really be life changing. Uh, to the residents. I mean, uh, in New Jersey, the, uh, you know, the sort of the classic example is uh, we have, uh, we have Amazon distribution centers. Of course we do. We're in, you know, 40 million people live within, you know, uh, 75 mile radius and, 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 and they have, uh, you know, well, well paying jobs, $7 and 50 cents an hour. At least that's well paying for a lot of folks. Um, unfortunately, nobody lives near those those distribution facilities. New Jersey Transit doesn't serve them, and in fact, if if somebody in Ewing uh, who um, who is trying to feed their family uh, can get one of those jobs at fifteen bucks an hour, uh, they have to catch a bus at at five seventeen to be able to punch in at seven o'clock, and that bus takes them takes them to a to a shopping center in Hamilton Township where they have to then transfer to luckily the the county has put in a shuttle to take them there. Well, my goodness, if we have autonomous taxis, you know, 25 minutes, pick them up, take them there, take a few of their neighbors to a ride share. And then, and then maybe at at eight 30, it's, it's, it comes over and takes me or or takes (laughs) Danny or takes you. I mean, you know, and, 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 and provides mobility and, 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 for us, hey, it's another option, but but for them, it's absolutely life changing. It 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 uh, it allows them to allows them to to feed their families, and so you know I think that that's that's what's important, and it's nice to see that that Ford at least as at least has recognized that not all of Washington D.C. is being gentrified. Not all looks like it's uh, you know the the millennials whatever. Probably they're going to take a skate uh, an electric skateboard anyway. Uh, but these other folks who are out there in, in the transit deserts who've had no option uh, to get anywhere can't, uh, you know, getting to work is an enormous amount, uh, uh, enormously difficult. Getting to heaven forbid you have to go to a clinic and, and get some health care services. And, and my goodness, maybe you'd like to have some recreation, too. And and we've placed them who knows where. We certainly gentrified them out of out of um, uh, the Northwest. Uh, so it's very nice to see that the Ford at least recognizes this and say, hey, maybe we need to, to provide some service in that community too. Well, also uh, this week, uh, Ford announced a partnership with the Mahindra Group in India. That follows a partnership between GM and Honda. CNBC is reporting that this is all about sharing the development costs for all of this technology. Well, yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, I, I guess, I guess, uh, although, you know, each of these companies have their efforts and, uh, and, um, and it certainly would be nice to, to see some of that shared. Although, um, although, you know, the car companies are good at being at building cars and maybe, you know, in terms of the, the real, the technology that goes in there, maybe it's the NVIDIAs of the world uh, that ends up developing the algorithms and, and, and the, and the, and the, um, and the silicon uh, and, and the computing that goes into them. And, uh, and then this gets retrofitted in the, in the, in the Ford F-150s that, um, that Ford builds. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I'm, I have, I don't have a good comment there. Maybe Danny has a comment. I don't know. Sort of a minefield. Well, I mean, we work with virtually everyone who's developing self-driving cars and there's a lot of different relationships, but uh, our, our core technology is designed for others to build on. And so we provide the hardware, a lot of layers of software and, and various systems then get um, you know, number of applications that will be developed by the, the automakers and sometimes the tier ones. Any thoughts, uh, Danny, about the, the uh, what should be shared when it, when it comes to the information you develop, for instance, in, in simulators when there are uh, near misses or, or crashes, who, who that gets shared with? Yeah, so we, um, we're actually, we're, Part of the whole drive constellation system is developing an open platform. That's kind of our mantra of everything we build. We want to make it as useful as possible for the industries we're serving. And so as such, we're going to uh, enable um, all kinds of, of you know, environments, or worlds, or maps to be brought into it, um, vehicle models and all the parameters for simulating different types of vehicles, uh, scenario models. And to that point, yeah, I think... Um, the sharing of, of essentially databases of what happens on the roads, where are the most dangerous roads, so we can ensure we can test in those kinds of conditions where what types of accidents are most common. And so sharing that kind of information, um, I think, is will, will benefit everybody. I absolutely agree. It seems, you know, as, as I've written in Smart Driving Cars and so on, um, one shouldn't be competing on safety. Everybody should be working together to make these things as safe as safe as possible because everybody's bottom line depends on safety. And if these things aren't safe, they're not going to happen. You're not going to sell anything, okay? Uh, the public sector won't let them out there. Uh, uh, the neighborhoods, if they drive down the street, uh, the People will run out of the houses. They'll jack them up, put them on cinder blocks, and seal the wheels. I mean, you know, it, it's it's not going to happen. So it's in everybody's interest uh, to 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 share. Uh, oh my goodness, we tripped over this one. Hey, everybody else, watch out, and 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 to behave that way uh, because because you know, competing on safety um, again fundamentally doesn't cut it. Now, you know, does this imply collusion? Are there any trust implications and so on? If Washington's going to do anything, one of the things that it should do is, is basically address the antitrust implications on, on entities uh, cooperating to deliver safety. And, uh, you know, spend Washington, spend your time doing that. Uh, that probably would, you know, provide uh, enormous benefits here. But again, um, 
I said it. Really interesting. Now, finally, uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has ordered the French transportation company Transdev to stop transporting school children in a self-driving vehicle in Florida. Uh, the issue seems to be that this test involved school children and that it was a French company. Uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, okay. Um, I, I understand that uh, Buy America is really important, and uh, okay, fine. Uh, and I understand that school children uh, probably should not be the first people that we use as guinea pigs here. Uh, not that they were being used as guinea pigs, but uh, have the perception of being used uh, as guinea pigs. Uh, but at some point, um, these things uh, can and should carry children. Uh, children talk about mobility disadvantage. If you're not 16 years old, uh, you're basically walking or you're being chauffeured by your parents. And and when you're chauffeured by your parents, guess what? I mean, people worry about congestion. They take you someplace, they, they drop you, they go back home. The average vehicle occupancy for those trips is 0.5. So, you know, uh, at some point, um, uh, children, uh, you know, who knows what the definition of children is. Maybe it'll be, you know, after your bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, you know, 13 or I don't know, 10, I, whatever. But but at some point they use it in, in 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 apartment buildings, I don't know at what point the children uh, just use elevators by themselves, or do they need to be accompanied by their parents to go up and down the elevators? I don't know. I don't know what they do in Trump Tower. I should go visit or something like that um, and see how the children in Trump Tower go up and down. On that note, <laughs> we're going to wrap things up. I don't know, whatever. Hey, we got to, you know, we have to make some of this a little light. Sorry, Danny. Well, you know, we also like, we also like to talk about the elevators. So, yeah, and we'd like to talk about the elevators. I mean, to me, uh, you know, the elevator analogy is still the key analogy. And in fact, uh, that's the way I think we're going to use these things. Uh, of course, they aren't going to be on rails. They're going to be on NVIDIA's electronic rails, which in fact are probably safer and more reliable than, than the Otis uh, brake uh, that keeps the elevators from, uh, from crashing to the basement. So, you know, but, but uh, certainly today the perception, oh, no, there is like a, a mechanical device that's better than an electronic device i don't know the electronic device is sitting there operating 30 times a second and so on and all that stuff and whatever and redundancies and blah 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 um might be safer danny where's the best place for people to go to follow the, the work that you're doing at nvidia uh slash drive and you can also get download a copy of the new safety report that we just uh, presented to NHTSA. Terrific. And that's N-V-I-D-I-A. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Pleasure talking Danny, to you. Danny, great both. to have you. We'll see, you see you at the uh, see you at the next um, uh, Smart Driving Car Summit next May, right? You got, you got to be there for the third in a row. Well, you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com and on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and more. You can ask Amazon Alexa. My tech reports are at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.